been on. And for the last several weeks, we've been talking about, we've been going through the Bible and talking through what it means, this, this text that has been around for so long and is still the best-selling book every year, year in, year out. It's still the most read. It's still the most talked about. The, the, the truths have stood the test of time, and they still speak into our lives today. And every time we open up this Bible, it seems like it has something new to say to us, given where we are in our life circumstances now. So we've been moving through kind of some of these big historical narratives and these stories from Scripture. And so we're going to do that today. Today, we've, we've kind of built ourselves up to Jesus when he came. He came uh, during like a four, it had been a 400-year drought where it had been silent, and then Jesus shows up on the scene. I'm going to get to that, but first I want to tell you a unique and different kind of story. I tore this, I, 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 what, what do you call it? I copied this out of a manual. And it is from the manual of the United States Government Peace Corps. And it's given, this manual, to volunteers assigned in South America. Okay? This is a legitimate thing. Copied straight out of this manual. And I'm going to read it to you because it's interesting. It says in this manual, a page is provided specifically for those in the Peace Corps, the volunteers in the Peace Corps, who serve in the vast Amazon River jungles. And the title is, What to Do If Attacked by an Anaconda. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) The anaconda is the largest snake in the world. It's relative of the boa constrictor. It grows up to 35 feet in length and weighs between 300 and 400 pounds. That's a big snake. And number one, Roman numeral one, if you are attacked by an anaconda, do not run. The snake is faster than you are. That's good news. Number two, lie flat on the ground. Number three, put your arms tight to your side and your legs against one another. Number four, the snake will come and begin to nudge and climb over your body. So you got that going for you if you (laughs) run into an anaconda. But I love this. Number five, do not panic. (laughs) Number six, after the snake has examined you, you, it will begin to swallow you from the feet end, always from the feet end. Just got a thing for feet. It starts on that side and works its way up. Number seven, the snake will now begin to suck your legs into its body. Number seven goes on. You must lie perfectly still. This will take a while. (laughs) I'm just reading it. Number eight. When the snake has reached your knees, slowly and with as little movement as possible, reach down, take your knife, and very gently slide it into into the side of the snake's mouth between the edges of its mouth and your leg. Then suddenly Rip upwards, severing the snake's head. Hey, you're dying. What else are you going to do? I mean, sympathy for a snake that's eating you? Come on. Number nine. These last two are, are, are priceless. Number nine. Be sure your knife is sharp. And then, of course, number ten. Be sure you have your knife. So... I'll have this afterwards if you want to photocopy it and keep it on your person because you never know, right? I mean, what we're talking about today is keeping our knives sharp 
because we need to be ready in this life. There is a readiness that we all need in this life. There are things that come against us. There are, there are difficult circumstances and situations. And what we're going to talk about today is there are temptations that will come against you. And you must be ready. And your knife must be on you. And your knife better be sharp. Because we all run into temptation every single day, all of us. It doesn't matter if you're in church for the first time in your life today or the first time in years. You know about temptation. You know that temptation is real. You know that there is this allure, this bright and shiny thing that wants to try to draw you in. And like Neo in the Matrix, you, can, you say, I know where that road leads. I know what's down there and this is not going to go well. And even if you don't, you're not sure about the whole God thing and the Bible and you're just here checking it out, you still know that that's true. And there are temptations that will come and that will try to seduce you. And if you give in to them, especially repeatedly, you can wreck your life. It happens to all of us. And we all fall and none of us are perfect. But there is a perfect example. There was one person who lived a perfect life. There was one person who came and showed up and he was God that put on skin. And he showed up onto the scene 2,000 years ago. And he showed up because none of us were perfect. And he made a way so that we could be forgiven for our imperfection. And we're going to look at the story of Jesus. Where we're leading up to, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 4. That's where we're going to be. In chapter 3, Jesus has just shown up onto this scene with John the Baptist. He's lived for 30 years. And we don't know a whole lot about that time. I expected he was a pretty unusual kid in an ordinary way. He looked regular. He smelled regular. He did regular stuff. And yet he didn't sin, right? Crazy. So at year, at year 30 is when his ministry begins. I'm sure he did some amazing stuff in those first 30 years, but in year 30 to 33, that's where the things really get interesting. And in chapter 3, Jesus shows up and John the Baptist is baptizing, and he tells John the Baptist, it's time to baptize me. And John the Baptist is like, whoa, 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 whoa. I believe that you're the God of the universe. You need to be baptizing me and, and doing other things because I can't baptize you. This is crazy. But Jesus says, no, this is how it has to be. So John the Baptist literally baptizes the Son of God, the God-man. And as he takes him down into the water and brings him up, the Bible says that the heavens open and the Holy Spirit, like a dove, comes down on Jesus. And there's this voice from heaven that says, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. So there's this, like this turning point, this anointing moment. And now, after 30 years, now Jesus is kind of being set apart, kind of being sent off on this next season of real ministry, this next season of intentional kind of mission. How many of you know what it's like to be in a season, to, to, to have you know, this season coming to a close and now I'm entering into a different season? There's just something about it. You can smell it in the air. You know the season is changing. Well, the season was changing here. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Then Jesus, right after this moment, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. You think? 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became hungry. How many of you have tried to fast for any period of time? 40 days and 40 nights, is a, that's, a, that's a long time. You would be hungry too. Let's make a couple of observations about this. So Jesus is led by the Spirit the Bible says, into the wilderness. He's taken there. His spirit is telling him, the, the spirit of God is telling him to go 
into this wilderness time. How many of you have felt like you've been in a wilderness? Do you know what that feels like? Yeah. Where you feel like, hey, I, I am in this season and, and things are difficult. I, you know, Jesus is hungry. He's not eating. He's just fasting. He's just being prepared for something. And you will probably, maybe you're in it or you will be at some point, go into a season of preparation. A season when you're being prepared for what is coming next. And sometimes that is uncomfortable. It feels like the wilderness. You keep running into the same things. You can't seem to break through this time. And you are being prepared for something. Even Jesus, the God-man, is led by the Spirit intentionally into, into this wilderness to be prepared, to meet with God. And for 40 days and for 40 nights, he fasts and he is hungry because he's being prepared. How many of you, you know, grew up playing sports? In sports, football, whatever, you, there's a season. Like right now, all the NFL teams and the college teams, they're, they're either going or they're about to go to their respective, you know, fields where they're going to practice. And, and they're going to do two-a-days probably. They're going to practice for like 10 hours inside the classroom and out on the field. And there's an intense period of preparation for the season. That's a little, that's a little kind of weak glimpse of what's happening here in this story and what Jesus is going for. And here's the reality. If God allows Jesus to be tempted, you will be tempted. You will be tempted. It's inevitable. You will probably be tempted in some real ways today, tonight, this week. And so it's important that we look at this example of Jesus and how the enemy the tempter goes about tempting him. If we're going to be prepared, if we're going to be ready for what comes at us in this life, if we're going to keep our knife sharp, this is a good place to look. How does this enemy tempt Jesus? Because you will be tempted, but you can be ready. Verse three, during the time, during that time, the devil came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Tell these stones to become Loaves of bread, bread like this. Now, if you're really, really hungry, and Jesus was not, you know, on a non-gluten diet, uh, you immediately, when someone says bread, or says burrito, or says burger, or says, you know, tri-tip, or whatever, you immediately picture it in your mind, right? And you've probably been picturing it for quite some time, and now it's crystallizing. You start fixating on that thing, and like Pavlov's dog, you start drooling, right? Because I just, I want the bread. And so what happens is he plants this idea that you can have this bread. You don't have to be hungry. And what we would tend to do is just kind of fixate on that for a while. I'm going to meditate on what it would be like for some sourdough to enter my belly, right? And so we think about that. And what he's doing, look at what this, what, this, what this tempter is doing. He's saying, if you're the son of God, you don't need to suffer. If you're really the son of God, you don't need to be in this hungry situation. Did, this, did, did God lead you out here? Why would he leave you here and be, and be all hungry and everything? You don't need to do this. There's something you can do about this. You don't need to be hungry. And maybe for us, it's not bread. We have, we have grocery stores everywhere and it's accessible, but maybe it's something different. Maybe, maybe it's something, though, physical. And where the, the whisper, that prompting is, you don't need to go without. 
you've been single a long time. You, we have needs here, you know? You can satisfy yourself. You can, how, can you satisfy, how can you satisfy that hunger, that desire inside of you? You can do that. You don't have to keep waiting. You can do this. If you're really the son of God, you, you, why, are you, why are you in this terrible situation that you're in? Make yourself feel better. And so he continues. This is common. This is common. There are, the, the devil is not original. He will continue to tempt us in these same ways. These are big kind of bucket categories. You will see it in your life over and over and over again. And he asks, if God really cared about you would, he, would he let you still be hungry? Would he let you still be alone? Would he let you still be this? There's something you can do about it. Take matters into your own hands. You can satisfy yourself. Jesus replies in verse 4. But Jesus told him, no. The scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's quoting Deuteronomy 8.3 here. And he's saying, physical food matters. Physical food is real. We need to eat. But there's something even better. There's something even better than that. There's something else at play here. As God is, he brought me into this wilderness, it's preparing me for something because there's something more important than meeting my physical needs in this moment. And that's what I'm allowing God to do in me and in my life right now. Jesus says in John chapter six, he says, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You think he's talking about your stomach or your soul? Your soul. Whoever believes in me will never be hungry, will never be thirsty. You might, you might have gurgles in your stomach or whatever, but I will satisfy your soul. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the word in car- I'm the word in skin. And I am what you really need. You think your body tells you you have needs and urges and things like that that need to play out and need to be paid attention to. And that's real. And there's stuff going on there. But there's something bigger. There's something more important going on here. A few years ago, Hillary uh, convinced me to do the master cleanse. Have you heard of it? So it was like January, and we're like, all right, it's a new year. Let's do this thing. We're going to clean out, you know, the, all the pipes or whatever. And so, and so we just, we agreed to do this fast together, and we got, I don't know, you know, the, here's the master cleanse in a nutshell. If you want to go home and start tomorrow, good luck. Uh, it's, you get like a gallon of water, and you pour out a little bit off the top, and you squeeze lemons into it, about eight lemons. So you got lemon juice in the mix, and then you dump grade B maple syrup because we need a little, uh, little natural sugar kick to get you through, right? So you got water, lemon juice, grade B maple syrup, and then it recommends a cayenne pepper, you know, to, to heat things up and loosen up the system so you can flush, right? And so the cayenne pepper was too gross in the water, so I just popped the pill. But that's what I did, and I drank this thing, and you just take this jug around with you, and that's all you eat, right? I mean, for days, for me, a few days, for Hillary, like 12 days. And it just kind of flushes out your system. You can look it up. It's real. So 
this is a few years ago, and Hillary convinces me to do it, and so I, I'm, I'm good. I'm in it with her. We wake up in the morning. We're slicing our lemons. We're doing the thing. We're filling up the jugs. We're going. We're going about our life, but I am still working, and so I have a lunch meeting, and the guy wants to meet at Chipotle, so if he wants to meet at Chipotle, we meet at Chipotle. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm serving him here, and so, <laughs> and so I'm there, and I see my usual. You know, I, I, we're talking, we greet each other at the door. I thought maybe if I get there early, I can just sit down and it's no big deal. But we got there at the same time. So of course I had to walk through the line with him and, and we're there and I'm thinking, man, you know what? It's been four days. I think my system is like pretty good. I think I, I mean, I think I've done some flushing. I'm, I'm okay. So burrito bowl, here we come, you know, I mean, brown rice, little chicken, little pinto, you, you know. And so, and so I eat my burrito bowl, and I'm just thinking, Hillary doesn't need to know. I don't lie to my wife, but uh, there's some things that are just kind of like irrelevant to, you know, her doing life. And so, uh, and so I just decide, I'm just going to eat this meal, and then I'm going to go on with, with the diet thing, with the fasting thing. And so we have this meal, I have my meeting, I go home, and everything's fine. She's like, you're doing good today? I'm doing good today, you know? And I poured out a little of my juice so it looked like I drank it, and... and <laughs> And then I'm walking past her, and I burp. (laughs) And she, no joke, she literally stops in her tracks and goes, that burp smelled like food. (laughs) And I was like, really? This this thing is working. It's really flushing out all the old toxins and things. That's amazing. She just rolled with it. The next day, someone that had seen me at the Chipotle and was like, "Uh, I thought you guys were on this diet. Caleb was at Chipotle yesterday. I was like, really? Thanks. I came, I came clean. I came clean. But here's the deal. For me, the diet was just about the physical. I hadn't made it into like a spiritual meeting with God kind of intense thing. For, for me, it was just about the physical, fleshing out the system. And that wasn't enough for me. When I have this, you know, physical flesh out the system and a Chipotle burrito bowl, I go Chipotle burrito bowl, right? Because there needs to be something more. Fasting It's not about just, you know, not eating food. Fasting is about being more hungry for God than for what your flesh, body, stomach desires. And the temptation will be to get you to focus on what your body wants and forget about what God wants to do in you. He's doing something bigger. I am the bread of life, Jesus said. When I was... When I was uh, going through my quarter-life crisis, I, it, it's, it's a thing. You can look it up. I, <laughs> I added it to Wikipedia. Um, I was going, I went, I'd gone through a divorce, and I just didn't know which way was up, and I was just devastated. I didn't know where I was going to go from here and how I was going to do life and what, what was going to happen next. And, uh, and I just found myself desperately clinging to any word of truth that I could. Verses that my grandma had said when I was young. Little verses maybe that I memorized in Sunday school. Things like on the bumper stickers that you think, those are so obnoxious and annoying. I was clinging to them for dear life. Please be true. Please be true for me. Because there's, it's one thing to satisfy your physical self. It's another thing to satisfy your soul. And you don't know what it feels like until you're at a really difficult spot, until you've had other things stripped from you and gone through hard times. 
you, that's when you know, I don't need this kind of thing to satisfy me. I need something more. And Jesus says, I am the word. I am the bread of life. And you just cling, you just cling to those verses, to those silly Sunday school songs, to those little fractions of verses that you wonder if you're memorized and saying right, and you just need that to be true because there's something bigger than physical satisfaction. And the tempter will come, and he will try to get you to fixate on what your body needs, and the spirit will whisper to you, no, there's more, actually. There's more, and I'm just preparing you for what's coming next. If you're here today and you need strength to resist this physical temptation and to refocus on what God has for you to strengthen you in spirit, I want you to receive, I want you to pray that today. I want you to ask for that today. The second temptation, Jesus doesn't just give up, or the enemy doesn't give up there. He comes back to him again and he says in the next verse, he says, then the devil took him to the holy city. Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scripture says, he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt hurt your foot on a stone. So note this, the devil is uh, smart. And so he said, okay, the last time I tempted him, he used scripture against me. So I'm gonna bring scripture, twist it a little bit, and see if I can get him to do what I want him to do. Obviously, he has this fascination with Scripture, and so I'm going to give him some. How many times have people taken some, some verse from Scripture out of context and twisted it for some kind of evil intent? It happens all the time. The tempter right here is misusing a verse from, from Psalm 91, and he's saying, look, 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 just, just, just jump this will be fun. <laughs> Just jump and angels will probably come out of nowhere because there's this place in the Bible he says that he'll protect you when, you when you fall. To which Jesus responds, the scriptures also say, you must not put the Lord your God to the test. Here's what, here's what the enemy, the tempter, was getting Jesus to do. He was trying to get Jesus to take the initiative out of God's hands and into his own hands. He was trying to get Jesus to take the keys. You can drive this thing. You know where you're going. You know how to get there from here, right? God's gotten you to this point. That's good. Now you take over. Jump. He'll save you. Buy it. He'll fund it. Jump into this relationship. He'll work it out. Your, your, your intentions are good. We do that kind of thing all the time. And we get this whisper that just says, no, 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 just, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Like, like the, the misuse of the verse in, in uh, Psalm 37, 4 that says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So some of us and many people often go, well, this is what my heart wants. So certainly God will bless this. Well, this is what I want to do. So certainly God will make this happen. And we say, God, you want what's good for me, right? So so make this work. I'm going to do this. I've got the keys. I'm driving. You bless it. I'm going to go down this road. You protect me. I'm going to act recklessly. You bail me out. And we take the initiative from God. And we take it ourselves. And we go where we want to go. And sometimes even using scripture to try to justify our actions. 
I remember um, Hillary telling me that when she was a little girl, she would open up uh, her Christmas presents early. <laughs> and so like December 20th, as soon as mom or dad put them out under the tree, she was waiting until an opportune time and she would go take the presents and she would go open them up and she would play with the toys and then she would take the wrapping paper, uh, try to tape this thing back together, it looked awful, and then put it back under the tree. And Christmas comes or, you know, whenever mom and dad re- realize and they're on to us and they're like, what? You've been playing with the... You, it takes the fun out of the gift, right? As parents, you're like, look, 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 I, I gave you this gift. Why did you go and open up it early and play with it all for the last four days before Christmas morning? I can't even, I don't even want to record this anymore. Forget it, you know? And look at this horrible tape job. You thought that that was going to fool me, you know? How often do we take uh, something that God intended for a gift and we, do, we just take it under our own. We just say, hey, we're going to do this. I want to play with this now. I want to do this thing now. And we take the initiative away from the gift giver. And we say, I, I'm just, I'm just going to, this is, this is the way I want to go. This is what I want to do. We take it upon ourselves. Uh, th- th- thanks, God. I'm going to do this. Will you, will you bless it? And then, and then when stuff comes undone and our lives unravel, then we get mad at God. I thought you wanted what I wanted. No, that verse in Psalms actually means that the more you delight yourself in the Lord, the more your desires become his desires. You don't just dream up anything that you want and demand it and put it on your card and say, God, of course you would want me to have that thing. That's how you go bankrupt, not how God blesses, right? If you are here this morning and you're wrestling with that. If you, if you wonder, is this, is this something that I am doing? Is this something that, I, that, that this is just me? Am I just pushing this? But my test that I've used in my life, is just, it's really simple. It's not profound. This is just my experience. It's just the peace test. If you don't have peace in your life right now, if you are anxious, if you can't sleep, if you are watching things crumble around you and you know it's your fault, you've stretched too far, you've gone too fast, you've probably taken the initiative out of God's hands. But there are other times where he asks you to step out in faith and you have peace and you just say, even if this all goes downhill, I believe that I'm following you and I'm in this with you. When Hillary and I moved down from Washington, we did it to Orange County, I, I just had like a little contract job. We just felt like he was saying, it's time. It was before I'd even talked to Mariners. They came and found me and talked to me about this after the fact. We just heard a little whisper and a prompting, and we moved. And we thought, this might not go well, but as best we know, we're acting in faith. I also know what it's like to feel like, I really want to do this thing and to prematurely step out, to prematurely quit this, move here, to prematurely enter into a relationship that, ah, that's probably not, that's probably not God. That's just me thinking you're attractive, you know, and to get myself into trouble. If you don't have peace, you might have taken the initiative away from God. You might be operating out on your own right now. And if you're here and you wonder if that's you, my prayer for you today is that you can sit with him. That you just say, 
I'm done. <laughs> this isn't working for me to drive my own thing. I give it back to you. There's one other temptation that the tempter comes to Jesus with. It's the shortcut temptation. In the next verse, it says, The devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant. If you're looking in your notes, circle those words, in an instant. This is the microwave temptation. This is the, this is the speed it up temptation. This is, this is the you can have this now. He showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all the authority and splendor. It's been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. I'm the prince of this world. This is my domain. This is my deal. And you're obviously here for a reason, God coming to earth. This is kind of weird, but tell you what, I'll give you all the authority. You can have it. I just want you to bow down and worship me. And it's yours. You can have the authority. Just, 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 just bow down and worship me. You don't have to go through all the fuss of living here on earth and doing all the miracles and going around and hanging out with smelly disciples and fishing for your food. And, and you don't have to go through all the pain or the tragedy. You know, it can all happen right now. I, you know, if you're the son of God, spare yourself all of this. You can have the authority now. Just bow down and worship me. Verse 8, Jesus answers, It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. We live in a microwave culture. We live in a culture of instant gratification that, that says, why wait? Why wait? I talked to a gentleman after the last service who said he's just struggling so badly right now with his kids because his dad didn't give him anything and he and his wife worked hard for what they have and now his kids want everything right now and they think that they should be in his business and up at this level and making this much money right now and they haven't earned a thing. We are in a culture that says you should have what you want when you want it immediately. And the enemy tempted Jesus with the same thing. He will continue to tempt us time and time again. Don't wait. In an instant, I'll take you up here and I will show you that you can have it all. Just bow down and worship me. If Jesus would have bowed down and worshiped the enemy of God, he would have forfeited what he came to do, his birthright as the, as the son of God, as the redeemer of the world. But he knew. He's the only one that went without sin. But will you know? Will you be ready? Will your knife be sharp? Will you realize that this is the way that the enemy comes time and time again? And he's going to try to seduce you with instant gratification. You can have this now. I was thinking about a friend of mine recently who she was in her 30s, and she hadn't been married yet, and she was nervous. She was panicking. She was seeing her friends around her get married, and she got into a relationship with a guy that she met at a speed dating deal. Speed dating, you know, it can happen. I don't know, but, it may, but this one did not work out. She said, I, want, uh, I just want to be married. And Hillary was with her in this, and they were walking through it, and they did this fast dating, fast engagement. And all the way up until the wedding day, she said, I'm not sure this is the right thing. And Hillary's like, then don't do it for the love she says, no, 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 but I, I should be married by now. I can make this work. I, I, I should be married by now. So she went through with it, and she divorced a year later, starting over again, doing it over again, this time a year further with more baggage and more pain. We think that we want what we want in an instant, but blue box macaroni in the microwave stinks. 
It never tasted good anyway. You just don't know what it's like. Some of you guys that are, you know, you remember in college and everything was microwave and then you, you meet someone who actually cooks and you're like, this is what that's supposed to taste like. That's life too. <laughs> Do you realize that? That's a metaphor for life. It doesn't taste as good in there. When you speed it up faster than it's supposed to, when you take shortcuts, it doesn't even satisfy you the same way. You think, you think like, like the tempter tempts Jesus, okay, maybe you're the son of God. Maybe all this authority is coming to you anyway. I can give it to you now. And so he'll whisper to you, hey, 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 you're, you're supposed to be successful in business. I, can, I know how to get you there quicker. Just take this little shortcut. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be fine. You're supposed to be a wife and a mom. You, know, what? you don't have to wait anymore. This, this guy is good. You're supposed to be in this, this place. You're supposed to be here. You're supposed to be there. I can get you there faster. Why wait? Is God holding out on you? Similar to the original sin in the Garden of Eden, and the tempter comes and he says, is God holding out on you? Can you trust God? Is that what God really said? Come on. This will go faster. You can satisfy yourself. You can take the initiative and make it happen. And you can have what you want and your future now. Why wait? And he will continue to come and he will continue to whisper and he will continue to seduce and he will continue to draw you in. You will be tempted, but you can be ready. Look at this last verse I want to show you. It says, submit yourselves, James 4, 7, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. After these three temptations, Jesus said, get away from me. And it says the devil left him. You can resist the devil and he will flee from you too. And now we're going to finish where we started with your knife sharp and ready. Did you know that scripture refers to the word, the truth, as a sword. That you can go on the offensive against this enemy. He will tempt you. He will try to swallow you with all his schemes. But if you have your knife, if you have your truth, if you know what's real and true, if your knife is sharp, you can be ready And you can go on the offensive against that. You don't have to fall into those temptations that you have for years. You don't have to keep stumbling into things that you have before. You don't have to keep feeding those addictions. You don't have to keep failing in those same ways. You don't have to keep getting seduced into those same self-serving things. You can work against it. You can take the truth. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He is the truth. He is the truth. So if you're here, and it's this, it's the self-satisfy, it's the I'm hungry, I can take care of this. If you have a tendency to go and make stuff happen on your own and just say, God, this is what I want to do, bless it. How come you're not blessing me? Or if you're always in a hurry and you think you should be like I did, further along than you are. If you think, I, I, I should be... 
I should be there by now. I've told you that's been a struggle for me. I've, I've struggled with that for years, feeling like I should be further along. I should be here already. I should be beyond this place. I should, you know, these, I'm like these people and I should be looked to like that. What a, what a joke, but I have fallen into that. And I had someone when I, was, when I was caught up in all that mess come to me and say, you know what, Caleb, I believe this was God speaking to me, by the way, but it was through this person. And they said, God will take you to whatever mountaintop he has for you. But you have to let go of the entitlement of knowing what that looks like. Because in our immediate gratification culture, we need to constantly remember that our timing is not necessarily God's timing. Today, what is it that he's saying to you? How will you be ready? How will you keep your knife sharp? How will you increase the relationship that you have with Jesus, with his word, with his truth, so that you can defend yourself against the temptations that come against you? God, I just pray that you would give us the courage to resist when temptation comes. I pray that you would give us the boldness to let go of ways of doing things ourselves that we have. And I pray that you would give us the patience to trust your timing. Continue to speak to us, God. Continue to speak to us about your trustworthiness, about your plan, and about the great things that you have in store for us, the great gifts that you desire to give us in your time. In Jesus' name.